Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Salatu vesselamu ala Seyyidina Muhammed ve alihi ve sahbihi ecma'in. Esselamu aleyküm ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuhu. Elhamdülillah, uh, once again, uh, we're here to discuss uh, the lives of Al-Ashra al-Mubashshirun, uh, the ten companions that were promised paradise by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We previously discussed the life of Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman. And today, inshallah, we'll be discussing the life of Ali ibn Abi Talib. As we said earlier, these uh, companions, عنهم, the amazing personalities, and really to give them justice, it would require hours and many lectures. But inshallah, we hope just to give a small uh, summary of their lives, picking out the major things from their lives, and looking at some characteristics that differentiate them um, from the other companions. And hopefully, uh, that is something will interest us, and then we can go on and further study and look at their lives in a lot more depth and detail. But really, it's just the way to introduce these companions. So Ali ibn Abi Talib, one of the great companions of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now Ali, uh, what makes him special was that his lineage was completely and purely Banu Hashim. So we know his father was Abu Talib, the uncle of the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, who was a Hashimi. And his mother, Fatima, she was also from the tribe of Banu Hashim. So both his mother and his father were both Banu Hashim. So he was pure in his lineage. Radiallahu anhu. And so interestingly, what we don't always hear about, you know, with, the, with Ali, uh, he was part of six children. So he had three brothers. And he had two sisters. And we know his father Abu Talib never became a Muslim. But his three other brothers, one we hear a lot about and two we don't. And so the oldest brother was Talib and that's why his father was called Abu Talib. Now Talib, like his father, never became a Muslim. But he was a strong supporter of the Messenger wasallam. There was another brother younger than Talib, his name was Aqil. Now, Aqil, he became a Muslim, but much later on, near uh, the time of the opening of Mecca, which was after the migration of the Messenger, And then there was Ja'far. Now, Ja'far, we know a lot about, and he's very famous uh, in the Sirah, and there's a lot about his life. He, he also became a Muslim, and he became a Muslim like Ali very early on. So out of the, the four brothers, three of them, Ali, Aqil, and Ja'far became Muslim. But Talib, like his father, never became a Muslim. And he also had two sisters. And those two sisters also became Muslim. And his mother, Fatima, anha, she also became a Muslim. So really, nearly all the majority of his family, his household, they all became Muslim, except for his eldest brother, and for his father, his father Abu Talib. So that was the family uh, of Ali radiallahu anhu. Now Ali, his Islam, Ali was from the companions, uh, he became a Muslim very young. So really, it's like he was almost born a Muslim. So he never did any of the haram things that Quraysh were doing. He never worshipped idols. And so when he became a Muslim, the scholars say he was either like 10 or 11 years old, still very young. And the scholars, they disputed 
was he the second person or the third person to become a Muslim? Because we know the first was Khadija, the wife of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But then there's a dispute. Was it Abu Bakr that came to Islam first? Or was it Ali radiallahu that came to Islam first? And so he was either the second, uh, second or the third person to become a Muslim after Khadija radiallahu anha. So he was one of the early Muslims. And he was very young when he became a Muslim, 10 or 11 years old. But to show you, you know, a sign of his intelligence, really, for him, Islam, when he, when he saw Prophet ﷺ, the narration said he saw the Prophet ﷺ and Khadija praying, and he asked, what are you two doing? And Prophet ﷺ told him about Islam and that they were praying. And you can imagine a child, you know, in that environment when all of your father is not a Muslim, all of the society, they're all mushrikeen, they're all polytheists, they're all worship idols, they're all doing these actions. So to be able at that young age to use your own mind, use your intelligence, and to be able to determine that Islam is the truth from that young age shows you the mind and the intelligence of Ali radiallahu anhu. So he became a Muslim very, very young. And what was special also about Ali radiallahu anhu not only did he become a Muslim when he was about 10 years old, but he was raised in the household of the Messenger of Allah Wasallam. And how did this come about? Because Ali is the son of his uncle Abu Talib, his cousin. What happened was, we know the Messenger of Allah Wasallam that his uncle Abu Talib, he raised him and he looked after him. And when the Messenger of Allah he became old, mature, and he was married to Khadija, and now he has his own household, and they have a business and they're well off, Abu Talib, he saw his uncle Abu Talib and Abu Talib was known that he was really, really poor. He was extremely poor. So Prophet Muhammad Wasallam he went to his uncle Al-Abbas and he said to him, to Al-Abbas, why don't you take one of the sons of Abu Talib to look after him and spend on him and I will take another son. Like that we can help him because we know of his condition and how poor he is. So Al-Abbas said, this is a good idea. So Al-Abbas went to Abu Talib, he took one of his sons and Prophet Muhammad, he was tasked with looking after Ali. So Ali now, he is living in the house of the Messenger of Allah Wasallam, And the Messenger is the one that's spending on him and looking after him and taking care of him. And so you can imagine later on in his life why he became the man that he became. Because he was nurtured in the household of the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, And this is one of the things that shows us the, the importance of a child being nurtured in a good environment. And to be given the correct qualities in order for them to become the adults that we want them to be. So it was no surprise what Ali was later on because he grew up and he learned and he took from the character of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now to give a bit of picture about Ali, his marriages and his children. You know, Ali again, he was famous because he was, he had this honor, the, the, the honor that few have shared in history, of marrying the daughter of a prophet. And he was married to the daughter of Muhammad Wasallam, his daughter, his most beloved, Fatima radiallahu anha. And the way he was married to Fatima was uh, interesting because when they migrated to Medina, and now Fatima, she was, she was an adult, and Ali was about 23 years of age. And the Sahaba, when Fatima became mature, all the Sahaba, the senior Sahaba came to the Messenger of Allah So Abu Bakr anhu, he sought her hand. Umar anhu, sought her hand. And each time somebody would ask, Prophet was silent. Now Ali, he saw this happening 
and he thought to himself, he wanted to go to the Messiah, but he was in such a poor state. You know, he had no wealth, he had no property, he was really, really poor. We know the companions when they migrated to Medina, they left everything they had behind. And so he was reluctant to go to the Messiah and ask him for Fatima because he was so poor. But his slave, um, he said to him, don't you know the situation of Fatima, that the companions are coming and seeking her hand in marriage? He said, yes. He said, why don't you go and seek her hand? He said, I have nothing. I'm poor. I have nothing to give. But the slave insisted. He said, go and seek Fatima. And that's when Ali built up that courage and went and asked the Messiah for her hand. And the Prophet married him to Fatima radiallahu anha. So it's interesting here how Ali, he had some doubts that I'm, I, 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 there's nothing to offer. I'm not rich. I'm not well off like the other companions. What, what can I give? And so, but the slave, he's, it's like he said to him, look, this is Fatima. You know, it doesn't matter what you have, it, you know. You're gonna, once you pass this opportunity, once this opportunity goes by, you're never ever going to get something like this ever again. So it's like he was uh, encouraging him, like, it doesn't matter what you have. Go after this opportunity, don't let it go. This is Fatima, the daughter of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a really important lesson um, for the youth to have that courage, uh, to have that um, strength of character. Well, if I want something, I should go for it. Especially when it comes to marrying. Whether it's, uh, it's the brothers or the sisters. If the sister sees a household, sees a man that she likes, she likes his character, she likes his deen, go after that. Chase it. Don't wait for someone to come to you. Chase the opportunity. For the young men, if you see a household that's, that's pure, that's on deen, you see a woman that you want to marry, then seek that opportunity. Don't let self-doubt creep into you. If you let an opportunity go by, you miss out on, on, on marrying from a, a righteous household, then the opportunity is lost. So Ali took advantage of that, and Prophet ﷺ agreed, and he was married to the daughter of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. And we know they had a blessed marriage, and they had four children, Al-Hassan, Wal-Hussein, and there was two girls, Um Kulthum and Zainab. And after the death of, of uh, Fatima and the death of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, Ali married many wives and he had many concubines. And you know, subhanAllah, in, in, in the narrations, it mentions that he had over 30 boys and girls. Such was the number of his offspring. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with over 30 boys and girls. So that's Ali in terms of uh, his marriage, his marriages, and his children. Now, Ali radiallahu he had the honor of attending. All the major battles and events that took place during the Messenger of Allah, Ali was there. Badr, Uhud, Khaybar, Al Khandaq. Except one battle he missed out on, and that was the Battle of Tabuk. But it's interesting that story why he missed Tabuk. Because when the people set off on the Battle of Tabuk, Prophet told Ali to stay behind. And he didn't just tell him to stay behind, but Prophet made him uh, as the caretaker of his household. To look after his family, to look after his wives. And so when Ali started complaining, O Messenger of Allah, and you're leaving me behind with the women and children, Prophet said, Don't would you wish to be to me as Harun was to Musa? You're in that position to me. And so Allah, Prophet gave him this distinction that he was like to him, like how Harun was to Musa, like a minister, very someone very close to him. 
So that was the reason why he missed the battle of Tabuk. But all the other major events and battles, Ali radiallahu anhu took part in them. Now Ali radiallahu anhu, to look at some of his qualities, he was known for two things that made him stand out from the other companions. One was his knowledge and his bravery, radiallahu anhu. Ali was known to be very, very strong. And when the narrations that speak about his description, they say that he had very thick muscles. He wasn't very tall, but he was extremely strong, radiallahu anhu. And so he had, there were many, many incidents that took place in the battles and many incidents of his bravery, radiallahu anhu. And to look at a few of them, uh, Ali radiallahu anhu, you know, in the Makkan period, we said that he became a Muslim when he was 10 or 11 years of, old, years of age. So he was still a child. And so there isn't much about you know, his, his, uh, the incidents that took place with Ali in Mecca. Except for the main incident that really makes Ali stand out was during the migration of the Messenger of Allah Now the Prophet when he wanted to migrate, uh, because we know that Quraysh came up with a plot, they wanted to kill the Messenger of Allah And so the Messenger of Allah now, he wants to migrate, but he has to migrate secretly because they're trying to kill him. And so... When he wants to leave Mecca, what happened was that even though Quraysh hated the Messenger of Allah because of the message, they still called him As-Sadiq Al-Amin, the truthful and the trustworthy one. And he was so trustworthy that the people of Mecca would still come to him with their possessions, with their wealth, and they would leave those things with him to look after and take care of. So even though they were fighting him in his house, he had their money, he had their possessions, he had valuable things that they entrusted to him. And so the Messiah, if he starts giving back all of these uh, amanat, this trust to the people, you know, it's going to set off some alarm bills. Why is he giving them back to us? What's he planning on doing? So to keep his migration secret, he radiallahu wanted Ali, he entrusted Ali to give out all those trusts, all those possessions. Ali was in charge of them. And not only that, when Quraysh, we know they, they brought some young men to surround the house of the Messenger Allah. And so as soon as the Prophet left, they were waiting for him to assassinate him. And so he told Ali, look, you have to be in my spot. You're going to sleep in my bed and make it look like that I'm in my house, that I'm asleep during the whole night, and in the morning they're waiting for me. As soon as I come out of my house, they want to kill me. So the Prophet said that he doesn't set off any alarm bells and the Quraysh aren't suspicious. He put Ali in his place in his bed to make it look like someone's in the house, to make it look like someone is sleeping. And he left with Abu Bakr secretly on the migration. But he put Ali in this dangerous position. Remembering that the people, the, the, the young men outside of the house of the Messiah that were there to kill him. And so imagine now when they found out that it wasn't the Messenger Allah and it was Ali. So Ali now is in a really a position of danger, radiallahu anhu. But when the Messiah came to him and asked him, he willingly and sub- completely submitted without radiallahu anhu making any argument or showing any hate towards it. He willingly accepted and he, he sat and he slept in the position of the Messiah. He put himself at great risk and danger. Not only that, such was his bravery, radiallahu anhu, the narration said that he actually fell asleep. You know, imagine that, you know, there's men outside waiting to kill. Waiting to kill you. And you and he fell asleep during that whole situation soundly asleep. Such was his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So Ali takes the position of the Messenger And when Quraysh in the morning They're waiting outside the house of the Messenger Allah And they're waiting and nobody's come out And where is the Messenger Allah And finally they go in and they find Ali in his spot And now they start to rough up Ali and question him Where is Muhammad? Where did he go? Why are you in his place? So they roughed him up a bit, they hurt him But he didn't give anything away about the position of the Messenger of Allah And so once all the, 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 the companions had migrated And the Messenger of now had migrated as well Ali was left behind and he went to the house of the Messenger of Allah And all the possessions, all the trust that people left He's the one that gave them all back to the people of Quraysh And now he was by himself, everybody had migrated and he was so poor that he didn't even have a riding camel. A riding, uh, he didn't have a camel or he didn't have a horse. And so he had to make that journey from Mecca all the way to Medina. A journey of many weeks. And now there was no companion. There was no one with him. There was no camel to ride. There was no horse. He made that whole journey on foot. And what he actually did was that he used to, because he didn't have a camel or a horse, to walk under a hot sun in the desert would be impossible. So he used to sleep during the day, he used to shelter somewhere during the day, and he would walk during the night in the darkness, no companion. And we know it's a very perilous, very dangerous journey. But he did that by himself, anhu, to show you the, the, his qualities and his bravery and his sacrifice for Allah and his messenger. Anhu. And when we look at the battles, uh, Ali's stances during the battles, the, you know, we, know, we said he, he participated in all the battles of the Messenger of Allah. And during those battles, he always performed many heroics on the battlefield. But just to look at a couple of instances to show you the courage and the bravery of Ali. Now, at the Battle of Al Khandaq, we know that the, the Muslims, when they heard Quraysh were coming with 10,000 um, Arabs. From the Polytheist tribes to come and destroy Medina. So Prophet, he built Al Khandaq, he built a trench around Medina. And so Quraysh, when they came and they found the trench, they were shocked. And now how how are they going to enter Medina? They couldn't couldn't get armies across that trench. But they will try many ways to cross that trench. And one of uh, one man who who, who succeeded in crossing the trench on his horse, his name was uh, Amr ibn Wud. And this man, he was known in Arabia as one of the strongest and most fearsome fighters in all of Arabia. He was very famous. So when he crossed Al-Khandaq, he, he crossed um, the trench and he was on the side of the Muslims. And he stood up in front of the Muslims and he started uh, making mocking them, making fun of them. He started, Who, who's going to challenge me? Where is this Jannah that you promised? Who wants to go to Jannah? And the companions were all silent. Can you imagine that such an instance where this famous uh, warrior, he was known for his bravery and his battles and he's standing there and mocking the Muslims. And now the Muslims, he had the senior companions, they're all listening and listening and hearing to this and there is no response to him. So who responds? Ali gets up. And he says, let me go, Messenger of Allah. Messenger of he says to him, Ijlis, innahu amr. He says to him, sit down. This is amr. No, this is this is the famous warrior and fighter. You can't fight him. And Ali here was still a young man, you know, less than thirty. He was still was, wasn't experienced that much in warfare. So again, Amr stands up and he challenges and mocks the Muslims. Who's going to challenge me? Who wants to go to Jannah? 
Ali gets up again because there's no response. He says, let me go, Messenger of Allah. Prophet said, Ijlis, innahu Amr, sit down. This is Amr. And so the third time Ali says, oh, Messenger of Allah, let me go. Again, the Messenger of Allah said, Ijlis, sit down. This is Amr. Then Ali says, wa inkan Amr. And even if it is Amr. So that's when Prophet relented and he let him go out. So Ali goes out to meet him. And Amr, you know, He's such a you know he's such a strong man, famous warrior. He looks at Ali and he says, like, what is your name, young man? You know, I don't who, who are you? I don't want to spill your blood. He looks at him, it's like he feels sorry for him. Ali says, But by Allah, I want to spill your blood. And so this angered Amr here. And so they fought and Ali killed him, radiallahu anhu. And that's when the shouts of Takbir came from the Muslims. And this was Ali radiallahu anhu, and all the companions. Nobody would come out and fight this great warrior. Ali is the one that got up and fought this man to bring victory to the Muslims and um, honor to the Muslims in such a situation. And this was, and, and uh, again, at the Battle of Khaybar, he has a, another famous stance. Uh, we know Khaybar was one of the strongholds uh, of the Jews at that time. And so the Messenger and the companions, they set out to Khaybar, they besieged it. And uh, they wanted to conquer Khaybar. And they tried many times, and each time each, they would fail. Each time there was a push from the companions, the army, that they would return, and, and they failed. So Prophet says, tomorrow I'm going to give this banner to a man that Allah and his messenger love, and that he loves Allah and his messenger. And all the companions, they, in their hearts, they want, who's this man? Who's it going to be? I want to be this man. So next day he tells them, bring out Ali. So Ali comes out and Allah Prophet gives him the banner and he says, go, call them to Islam. If they respond to you, then teach them the din. And if they don't respond, then fight them. So he takes the banner anhu, and he goes out and Khaybar, they sent forward a champion. Right, again, another Jew. His name was Mahrab. And this Mahrab, he was famous from the Jews, their strongest warrior. And he comes out reciting lines of poetry. Uh, and so Ali radiallahu he says uh, some famous lines of poetry. He says, "Ana ladi sammatni ummi Haydara. I am the one whose mother has called him Haydar. Haydar was one of the names of the lion. Kalaythi fil ghabati kariha al manvara. He said, "I am like the lion in the jungle. Kariha al manvara. I am terrifying to look at. Yani I strike awe in anyone that looks at me. Awfihim bisaa'i sandara." You know, he says, I will give them the sa' was a, a measurement of weight. It's like a few kilos. And he's, he says, I'll, I'll if you give me a sa' if you give me a few kilos, I'll give you sandara. It's like I'll give you a thousand times on top of that. So whatever you can, ha- you, can uh, you know, you strike with me, I'll give you a thousand times that and I will destroy you. Anhu. And these were his famous uh, lines of poetry in this battle. Radiallahu anhu. And this, this, uh, this, this showed this was his mindset. He was a very brave warrior. When it came time to serving Allah and his messenger, radiallahu Ali, he was unmatched in terms of the jewels. He never lost a jewel in his life. And in every single battle he served with the Messenger Sallam, with distinction, radiallahu anhu. And really there was no one in, from amongst the companions like him in this regard when it comes to his fighting capability, his strength, uh, and his courage, radiallahu anhu. Another thing uh, Ali was known for was his intelligence. We said that he became a Muslim at a very young age, at 10 or 11 years old, when the whole society was on shirk. 
His father was on shirk. But Ali, from that young age, his mind was able to determine that this is Islam, this, this is the truth from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he was known uh, for his knowledge and his, his intelligence from that very young age. And it's narrated that one of the reasons why he was so knowledgeable that when the Prophet ﷺ, he, he sent him as a judge to Yemen. When Prophet ﷺ sent him, Ali said to the Prophet that, you know, I've, I don't have experience in judging. He was a bit reluctant to, be, to go as a judge and to give uh, ishtihad and, and uh, settle the disputes of the people. So Prophet ﷺ made dua for him and he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put the truth in his heart, radiallahu anhu. And that's one of the reasons why Ali, when it comes to his fiqh, his knowledge, his ishtihad, his fatawa, really amongst the companions, there was no, no one like him, radiallahu anhu. And such was his standing and his knowledge, that Umar, radiallahu anhu, he used to always use him for judgments. And Umar would say, you know, I seek ref- refuge from a problem that occurs, somebody comes to me with a problem, and that occurs while Abu hassan is, is not here. And Abu Hassan was his kunya, meaning Ali radiallahu Umar said that, you know, I fear a time when if I have a problem in front of me, is, Abu Hassan is not here, how am I going to solve that issue? Who's going to have that knowledge? And to give you a small example of um, how he solved the disputes and how his mind was so sharp, radiallahu anhu. Uh, one time during the Khilafah of Umar, a man came and he accused his wife of committing adultery. Fornication And I asked him What is the proof? And he said Look we've only been married For six months And she's given birth And so we know usually That it's, it's around nine months For the woman uh, to give birth So if they, 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 they need to be married For nine months From the start of their marriage Until she gives birth That would be a normal uh, The normal time But because his wife gave birth They'd only been married six months And she's given birth already he said, I suspect her of committing zina. How is it possible that she gave, that she gave birth right, in six months? That means something must have occurred before, before, my, before my marriage to her. Uh, so now, the, the wife now, she's, uh, she's at risk uh, that uh, the, the punishment is going to be enacted upon her. The had for adultery. So Ali hears this and he says, no, she didn't commit zina. And Umar says, why? And so he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, وَالْوَالِدَاتُ يُرْضِعْنَا أَوْلَادَهُنَّ حَوْلَيْنِ كَامِلَيْنِ Allah says that the, uh, the mothers, they breastfeed their children for two complete months. حَوْلَيْنِ كَامِلَيْنِ Two years, which is 24 months. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another verse, وَحَمْلُهُ وَفِصَالُهُ ثَلَاثُونَ شَهْرًا Allah says his hamil, his pregnancy, his gestation, the time he spends in the mother's stomach, and his weaning, altogether 30 months. So he says if you take uh, 24 from the 30, you end up with 6 months. Therefore it's possible for a woman to give birth in 6 months. Therefore she hasn't committed zina. And that's, that's when uh, the woman, uh, Umar radiallahu let her go. And the man's claim was disregarded and the, the had wasn't enacted upon her. And so Ali radiallahu is the one that solved this situation. All other companions that heard this, and everybody thought, yes, she's definitely committed zina, she's committed haram. 
But such was the mind of Ali to think of these verses and to extract the ruling in such a way uh, shows you the, the, the depth of his knowledge and the, the depth of his intelligence. And that's why Umar made his famous statement that I, I, I seek refuge from a problem that occurs when Abu, Abu Hassan Ali is not around to solve that problem. Uh, and Ali, he says about himself, he says that there isn't a verse in the Qur'an except I know its incident, except I know when it was revealed. And there's no one more knowledgeable than me in this area, radiallahu anhu. And uh, again, another short story um, to show us the mind and the, the intelligence uh, of Ali. Uh, during his khilafah, um, we know there was a lot of problems, a lot of fitna, a lot of commotion amongst the Muslims. And so the people at that time... Um, they used to look around and think, why under Ali is all this fitna occurring? And one of them, he made a comment. He said, under Abu Bakr and Umar, why didn't we see anything like this? There was no fighting. We lived safely. Uh, there was no fitna amongst the Muslims. So it's like he's insinuating that Abu Bakr and Umar, because they were good, we never saw any problems under their rule. But because Ali, because you are bad, that's why we have all this infighting, all this fitna, all these clashes between the Muslims. So Ali, he gives him a quick reply. He says to him, at the time of Abu Bakr and Umar, they had the likes of me as advisors. They had the likes of me as subjects. That's why they didn't have any problems. But now during my time, when I'm Khalifa, I have the likes of you as my subjects and the likes of you as my advisors. That's why now there is so much fitna. Because with them, they had me. At your time, I have you. And so that, again, that just shows us um, the mind of Ali and, and the, the, the intelligence uh, of Ali radiallahu anhu. And that was Ali radiallahu anhu in terms of his, uh, his knowledge and his bravery, uh, bravery radiallahu anhu. Uh, again, uh, there's just a few instances. You can look at many instances where you know, his fatawa, his ishtihad, uh, his rulings uh, radiallahu anhu. But just those are a few incidents hopefully we can learn from and take as an example. Now, so to fast track, um, now we look at the last period of his life, um, how he died, radiallahu anhu. We know that Abu Bakr first became the Khalifa of the Muslims, then Umar, then Uthman became the Khalifa. But when Uthman was, was uh, murdered, radiallahu anhu, when he was assassinated and killed, this opened to the door to enormous fitna amongst the Muslims. And it was really a, a time of great confusion uh, and turbulence. And so unfortunately, Ali, when he became Khalifa, he became Khalifa at the time when these hypocrites had infiltrated Medina. They had gone into the house of Uthman, killed the Khalifa Uthman, and they had remained inside of Medina. And so when Uthman was killed, there was so much confusion amongst the Muslims. Who's going to take leadership? Who's going to take charge? How do we stop this situation? How do we bring justice to the ones that killed Uthman radiallahu anhu? So now Ali, he became Khalifa and ruler during these times. So at the start when, these, uh, when the people of Medina came to him, that you should be next to become the Khalifa, at first he was reluctant. Because he can see the situation. And anyone that becomes a leader at this time, it's going to be a very difficult period. But there was such turmoil and such confusion and nobody knew what was going to happen that the people of Medina kept insisting to Ali that you're the person, you're the only one that can lead us out of this. So Ali in the end, he reluctantly agreed to take the Khilafah 
But even though he became Khalifa, the death of Uthman caused so much tribulation and turmoil. Now the Muslims were split about the ones that wanted revenge for the, the killing of Uthman. And then there's the ones that the ones that killed Uthman, they remained amongst the people of Medina uh, and amongst the Muslims. And so now how do you determine who killed Uthman, who was responsible, who were the hypocrites? So there's so much confusion. So unfortunately the companions were split that some of them wanted revenge for the death of Uthman, like Talha and like Az-Zubayr. And so Ali was trying to explain to them, let me you know, calm the situation first, let me gain a foothold, let me um, reclaim some strength, and then support me, and then I will deal with the killers of Uthman. But at the moment, you can see the turmoil. I can't do it at this moment. But unfortunately, these companions, they had their own uh, idea of what they thought was the truth, and Ali... Uh, he thought, no, I need, I'm the one, in, uh, I'm the leader, you should obey me, help me and support me. And this caused the fitna between the Muslims. And this gave rise to a group called the Khawarij. The Khawarij, they, they came about during this fitna when they saw Muawiyah and they saw Ali and they saw the battles that took place between them. And in the end, they decided that they're all kuffar and they're, they're all the problem and we need to kill all of them. So these Khawarij, what they came up with the plot that they said, look, Muawiyah and Ali and Amr ibn al-As, they're the ones that are causing this fitna. So let's kill them and let's get rid of them for the Muslims so the Muslims can be at peace. So they came up with a plot to assassinate these three figures. Muawiyah and Amr ibn al-As escaped the assassinations. But Ali radiallahu anhu, it was uh, the destiny of Allah that he, his assassination was successful uh, and he was killed radiallahu anhu. And that's how he died uh, as the fourth righteous Khalifa uh, of the Muslims. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him. So this is Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, um, one of the great companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu He grew up in a blessed family, a blessed lineage from Banu Hashim. Most of his family all became Muslim. He was had the honor of marrying the daughter of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu was a blessed marriage and he got his, uh, the grandsons of the Messenger of Allah, Al-Hassan or Al-Hussein. And he was known for two qualities, for his, his knowledge and his intelligence and his bravery and his courage. And these are really two qualities that we need to instill in the youth today. To have that courage and bra bravery to stand up today, we see the situation of the Muslims, we see the onslaught towards the Muslims. So we need men and women that have this kind of courage like Ali radiallahu to be able to withstand whatever barrage comes their way, whatever situation they find themselves in, to have the courage and the bravery to stand up against all this injustice, to speak the truth, to stay firm upon Islam, to speak the Quran and the Sunnah of his Messenger wasallam. This is a quality that has to be once more instilled in our youth to be like these companions like Ali radiallahu And at the same time, our young men and women, they have to grow up with, with intelligence, with knowledge. It's such a you know, vital thing for the Muslims these days. That when we look around us in the society today, we see most people, you know, their, their lives, there's, there's no depth to them. There's no thinking. They live lives like robots. Nobody thinks about what is happening to the world today. What is the solution of, of mankind today? How do we solve these problems? Everybody just follows blindly everything that is being said and that is be being done to them. And so our youth today, they have to grow up with knowledge, with intelligence. Like Ali at a young age, 10, 11 years old, to question, to be able to determine for themselves what is wrong, what is right. 
What is this kufr? What is Islam saying about these issues? How does Islam solve these issues? To become mushtahideen, you know, this is uh, an objective that we should set uh, for our children something to look forward to. Not just to go into uni and, uh, or, you know, become, um, have university degrees, doctors and whatever. But the art of ishtihad, the art of knowledge, to have the mind of a scholar, to the mind to, de- to determine the hukum from Islam, what... How do we solve this issue from the Islamic sources? This is something that we want to ingrain in our children from a young age, set them upon this path. And so inshallah, these are two qualities we should take from the life of Ali to instill in ourselves and in our children, inshallah, for the future generations. Jazakumullahu khairan for listening. And until next time, inshallah, we'll discuss the next companion of Al-Ash al-Mubashirun. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.